serve a living God. And he reigns tonight. Reigns victorious. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer. Gracious, eternal Father, how we just bow our hearts to you tonight, Lord. What a great honor we have that we can be assembled together, Father. Once again, back in your presence. Lord, where there's fullness of joy, Father, we just come tonight. We want to bring our burdens, Lord, tonight, and we want to just commit them, at, Lord, at your feet tonight, oh God. We want to walk out of this place victorious, Father. We want to walk out of here tonight, oh God, liberated, Lord, sons and daughters of God, recognizing our position, our place, the power and authority that we have, Lord, not in our own human ability, but by your word tonight, God. We ask, Lord, tonight you'll open the windows of heaven. You begin to pour out your word. You begin to pour out our promise, oh God. You begin to pour out the blessings, Lord, that you've instilled for us to have. Lord, may we not be a people in this generation that lives below our God-given privilege, oh God. But may we rise up tonight through the anointing of the Spirit, God, and receive what you have in store for us. We just want to commit this service to you now. Lord, I just ask you to anoint my lips to speak the words of life, Lord. Lord, if there be anything of the human element, Lord, I pray that you would tie my tongue, Father. But loose it to the Spirit to where it can edify your body, Lord, tonight. And I ask you to anoint the ears of the listener, Father. That we be able to receive exactly the way the Spirit wants it to be received. We'll not leave out of here, Lord, with a misconstrued conception. But, Lord, may the Spirit of Christ, that which is giving and that which is receiving, may it both be in operation tonight, O oh God. We just commit this service to you now, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity, Father. We thank you that we can come in your presence, Lord, tonight. And then we just ask you to bless the remainder of our service. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to turn to the book of James. Amen. You love the Lord tonight? Amen. That should have been a resounding amen. Amen. Tell me what man can do what God's done for you. No, we'll fail you, disappoint you, come up short many times. I'll tell you what, God will never disappoint. He'll never, he'll never fail you. He'll never come up short. Hallelujah. We're going to look here and we're going to pick back up on the thought that we had the last time we spoke on time-tested faith. But I want to give it a subtitle tonight prepare for rain. We look here in James verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, notice the trying of your faith, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse 12, and blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall, not maybe, not hope so, but he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. You can be seated tonight. And as you're seated, I'm going to go ahead and read from Ecclesiastes. We read there the last time, Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. It says, to everything there is a season. Unless you live in Louisiana and there's only one season, and it's hot. But thankfully, we've had a little bit of a winter. But it says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. It was good to verse 2, and it says, and a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which was planted. Otherwise, it's a time to reap a harvest. 
We find here, though, that this word time, if we look at it, it doesn't mean an element of 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, or anything of that nature, but it means a duration, a period. Just as I said, uh, we have four seasons generally in a year, and it's, it's those seasons that we'll be able to experience. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's, you know, you have your winters where it's cold and snowy. You have your spring, which brings life. You have your fall, which to me is the favorite time of the year for many various reasons. We're not going to go into that tonight, but the fall, and we all have our seasons, but I want to, what I want to speak to you tonight on is we all even have our seasons spiritually. We have our springtimes where we, we have new growth, and it seems like we receive revelation and understanding from God, and you know things are new and alive in our life and our spirit, and we're walking and we're victorious, but then there's also times where you face your summers. Where it's intense heat from the sun day after day after day, and it seems to be no rain in sight. There's nothing coming, and it's like trial after trial after trial after trial. And it's in those long summers that many times you feel like giving up. But I want you to know there's a springtime coming. There, you just hang on. There's a, a springtime that's promised to the believer. If you'll just hold on, summer's not going to last the, uh, all the time. It has a time, it has a duration. But James would tell us here, he says, now, count it all joy. Boy, and the church is quiet. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word temptation there is not the word that means to be enticed or lured away, but the word temptation there means it's uh, calamities and trials and persecutions and poverties and, and things of that nature. But notice he says, it's the trying of your faith. It's not the trying of you, but it's the trying of your faith because your faith must be perfected. And the only way to perfect your faith is through trials and tribulations. And we find here that through the trying of your faith, it worketh patience. And the last time we spoke, we mentioned that that word patient means hoopamone. It means not a passive faith where you're sitting in a doctor's office and you're waiting for your name to be called. Come in and let me check you out. But no, it's a faith that endures. It's being under a heavy load and you're not giving up. You're not giving in. No matter what the weight is, no matter what the pressure is, you're still there. You're still hanging on. You're not quitting. It may be going wrong. Somebody may say something to you wrong, but you're still there. You're still pressing the battle. That's a pain. That's a faith that endures no matter what situation. And we all find that we all have those seasons in life. Last time we spoke, we mentioned that maybe the purpose of trials or the reason why we have trials is God wants to prove you. He wants to prove that you really are a son of God. Not just to prove to you, but he's going to prove to your adversary that that's my son. That's my daughter. No matter what you do, they're not going to curse me. Then he won't, maybe it's for your purging to make you more like him. Then there's times he wants to, he allow these things to take place just so he can wrap his arms around you and bring you into a greater relationship so that you can experience God in a way you've never experienced God before. You know, it's easy to serve God when you're up on the mountain, right? Man, everything's great. Every, you know, there's no hardships. Oh, bless God, you come to church, you're happy. Everybody's got a little spring in their step. But let me tell you, when you find your way into the valley, and it seems like nobody cares, nobody's there, trial after trial, you're being buffeted and being buffeted, that's when you've got to dig deep, the prophet of God said. You've got to pull hard and bring yourself through it. Because why? Because it's in those times that God has proven to you that you are his son, you are his daughter, you are chosen by God, that no matter what the enemy allows you to go through, you're going to withstand the test. 
because it's not you and it's not some man, but it's God Almighty that's called you for this situation. We find in 1 Peter 1 and verse 6, we're going to hear these kind of a, a, a theme here. It says, Worrying greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, and I can look upon some of your faces, and I know what season you're in. Well, <laughs> it says, Now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness, and that word means distresses and sorrows. You're in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, that it might be found into the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, you will never know the full extent of your faith until it first be tested. You will never know the full aptitude or the measure of your faith until you have been put to a test. And some of you tonight are going, would you please quit testing me? I know I got it. Because it seems like some of us, sir, we stay in a test. But let me tell you, God is doing something. Quit, quit looking at it from a negative angle and look at it and say, God, help me to see what you want me to see out of this trial that I'm in. Help me not to have a negative attitude, but help me, Lord, to receive what you want me to receive during this trial, during this situation that I'm in. We find that as gold is put in a fire to, 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 to remove all the elements, all the dross, all these other things that weaken it, weaken its quality and, and, and quantity, so is a, a believer put to the test. Each of us are put to the test through the fiery trials to, move, to remove all the family traits that just get handed down and handed down and handed down. Well, that, uh, that, that just came from my daddy. Well, you know what? You got a greater daddy. You got another daddy. Get born again. Let's let those traits flow down and flow out. But we find we, we were put to the test so that all the elements, all the things out of the world that try to attach to you, they can burn off of you. God has a purpose. He, he wants to temper his sons and his daughters so that you will be in his image and not in your own image. Or not in the image of another man to where what that man does you do. No, it's in the image of God Almighty. In the message I know, Brother Brown made a statement. He says now, and why does God let troubles come? God harnesses trouble Put bits in his mouth and makes it obey him. Those troubles bring you into a closer fellowship with God. And the house should say, Amen. Those troubles come to bring you into a closer fellowship with God. But Brother Joe, you don't understand. It doesn't matter if I understand or not. Those troubles come to bring you, the believer, into a closer fellowship with God. God desires your fellowship. God desires your love. And one way that he gets it is by bringing you through a test, by bringing you through a trial so that you will not rely on anything of your own ability, but you begin to rely on him to get through you through this and therefore you will love him in a greater way. Brother Kenny, good to see you here tonight. Glad to see you. I got great expectations for you tonight. Amen. He says, now, there had been no rainbow until the flood came. But after Noah was pressed into that condition, 
that he was in to float 40 days and nights in the storm and the little ark pitching up and down in the water. It was after the flood was over that he saw the rainbow for us the first time. The covenant of hope, the covenant of promise. See, it was after he went through the tribulation that he saw the promise. And he said, that's the way you see the promise after you've gone through the tribulation. What are you saying, Brother John? I'm saying, hang on just a little bit longer. There's a covenant coming. There's a rainbow coming. There's a rain that's coming. If you'll just hang on to the promise of God. You may be tossed about. You may be up and down. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God will not leave you. God will not forsake you. He said, I'll be with you, even in you, until the end. And when God gives a promise, he'll bankrupt heaven in order to make sure he fulfills that promise to a son and daughter of God. Now, how many of you want a closer walk with God tonight? Get ready for the test. Get ready for the test. It's coming. See, God would allow you to go through these times just to prove to you. Because there's a lot of you here tonight probably doubting that you're a son of God. Some of you here tonight probably have doubts that you can even have the Holy Ghost, that you've even been elected by God, chosen by God. Some of you are dealing with that because the enemy is such a great adversary that he gets in this little peon brain of ours and he begins to warp it and have you look, sit on your shoulder and tell you nobody cares, nobody loves you, you might as well give up, you might as well walk out. I don't know why you're going to even like tabernacle, nobody speaks to you. And everybody's quiet because nobody wants to testify and say, that's the truth, Brother Joe. It's the truth anyway. Hebrews 12 and verse 5. How many of you are son of God? How many of you are daughters of God? I got daughters raising their hand being sons. But it's okay. It's okay. That's a trick question, wasn't it? Every son must be chastened by God. Hebrews 12 and verse 5, it says, Now, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. I tell a story. I remember when I, when I first started coming to church over here many years ago, almost 20 years ago now. It seemed like every time I turned around, I was getting rebuked. A little Baptist boy, I didn't know any better. I mean, I come out of Baptist church, and I wasn't too long coming out of the world. I mean, I had things hanging all over me on me, and y'all probably remember some of you. I had little bracelets and necklaces and all that. Man, every time I try, I'm like, is this the first church of the rebuke or what? <laughs> I mean, I caught it left and right coming and going. We go to a youth function. I catch it. We go on the way home from you. My sister-in-law was the world's worst. She wasn't my sister-in-law at the time, but she caught me coming and going. I guess she made it her ambition and her desire to straighten me out. <laughs> Thank God the Lord got a hold of me and didn't leave her or me all to her because, you know, tell them where we'd be here today. But he says now, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth. Ooh, don't you love it? Boy, look at it. What kind of love does our God have? Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourge every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, then God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. So you go through a test and you find there's been people you know of, they come to church and all of a sudden they get their feelings hurt, something happens, and they're back out in the world. They, you know, for some reason they, they just couldn't handle the pressure, they couldn't handle this or that and the other. And you know, they sit with you for a while, then all up and they're up, you know, they got their feelings hurt and they walked out and they're done. Why? Because they're not real sons and daughters of God. 
because real sons and daughters of God can withstand the chastisement. They can withstand the scourging. They can take the rebuke of the Lord because they know it's for a purpose, because they know God has intended it to bring something out of their life that they yet can't see. I say, thank you, Lord, tonight. Bring those things out of my life. Take away the things that are not like you, Lord. Whatever it takes, if it takes a rebuke, if it takes a chastening, Lord, if it takes a scourging, Lord, make me more like you tonight, Father. May my life emulate the great God of Almighty of heavens and earth. This word here, chasing those, it means to be taught or learned. It means to be cascaded with words. It means to be molded or have your character molded by reproof. It means to be chastened by affliction and calamities. With blows to scourge as a father punishing his son. So we ask ourselves, and I ask you, do you want a closer walk? And immediately we think, oh, we're going to get some great revelation. Man, I'm going to get this super revelation. You know how that revelation is going to come? Through that super test that you're in. And they're not saying that all revelation comes that way because that's not the case. But many times we learn the greatness of God. Maybe the same way Jesus is through the things that we suffer. That we can learn the attributes of God. We can learn the character of Christ. We can understand what he intends for us to be and to display in this hour. So many times this great revelation will only come after you've gone through the storms and you've weathered every wave. Or maybe you've... You've made it through the summer times and that season of drought and dryness in your life where it seems like you're not producing any fruit, it finds a springtime again. But you've got to endure until you get to that point. See, not all men are the objects of God's love. Those he chastens, he loves. And just because you're in a trial doesn't mean that you're... that that. That God accepts you or God has more appreciation for you than he does a sinner. We all go through trials. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that, you know, you're scourging and you're testing things you're going through makes you any better than anybody else. But no, your Christianity is what holds you during that time. Your, your love for the Lord is what holds you and his love for you is what holds you during those times that you're being tested by God. And that you're being tried by the, by, 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 by the things that you suffer. It's during those times that you've got to know that you know that God is on your side and that you truly are a son and daughter. God. Brother Brown makes the same. He says, isn't it strange God wants to develop a Christ-like character that comes through suffering? He wants to develop a Christ-like character. He didn't say it develops on a mountaintop. He didn't develop when you got all the money in the world and living life to the fullest. He said it comes through suffering. He says, we all have trials. We are all Tried and chasing his sons. Not one, but goes through that. The church that is not suffering and is not being tried, hasn't got it, isn't of God. And he's, this is in a Samaritan church. He says, there is no age free from it. There is no true believer free from it. This is of God. This is the will of God. It is needful. So quit kicking against the pricks and say, God, teach me what you want me to, re- to, to, to learn through this situation that I'm in. He said, it is needful. We need the Lord to teach us the truth that we are to suffer and be Christ-like in doing it. Love suffers long and is kind. And we find here in Matthew 5, says, blessed are you when men shall rival you and, and persecute you. And you shall say all men are evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and exceedingly glad. 
For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So the cloudy skies and the storms of life is not a sign of God's disapproval. Nor is it the bright sunny days and, and the beautiful blue skies a sign of his approval. God's approval rests in one thing. He says, I love you. That's all that you need tonight. It doesn't matter about how good life is going on the outside of these walls, whether it's storming and popping lightning outside or whatever you're going through. All you got to know tonight is that God loves you and that God's called you and that God's elected you and that God has positionally placed you. That's all you need tonight to ride over every storm, to ride over every wave, to withstand the summer times in your life, to know that God cares. So how do I know that God loves me? Because he came, took on the form of a sinful man. He took your sins. He took your punishment. He became you that you might become him. Y'all traded places. I'll tell you, what a great trade tonight. Oh, brother John, I'm in a bad fix. Oh, life is rough. Let me tell you, you're not in that fix tonight. You were bound for hell. You were bound to a sinner's grave. But God Almighty came down. What did he do? He traded places with you tonight. That you wouldn't have to go there. So the word chasten means to reprove. He says, herein is now set forth the love of God. He desired in love a family of his own, a family of sons, sons like him. And there him, he says, then before him lies all mankind as one lump of clay. And now that same lump, he will make vessels of honor and unto dishonor. The choosing will be his choosing. Then those... Chosen ones born of his spirit will be trained to conform to his image in their walk. He reproves with long suffering and gentleness and mercy, and he chastens with nail scarred hands. How eloquent, or eloquent, excuse me. How eloquent are these words? He chastens with nail scarred hands. He reproves with long suffering and gentleness. But it's all done in love. He says, sometimes this potter must take the vessel he's working on and thoroughly break it down in order that he may rebuild it exactly as he desires. See, God sees something in you that you can't see. And let me tell you, God will get that image that he has seen. He will make sure it fits that image at the end. Because he already took a picture of your life. He already took a picture, a snapshot of you before the foundation world. He knew what you was going to be. He knew exactly how tall you were going to be. He knew how much hair we would have or not have. So his perfect, when he took that picture, that was you at your best. And let me tell you, he's going to make sure no matter what he does, what he has to do, and how much you kick and fuss, he's going to make sure you fit that image in that picture. I say, thank you, Lord, because if I fit that image in that picture, I know that I'm going to be on the other side rejoicing. I'm going to be walking on streets of gold because I made it on the other side. And the trials that I face on this side, they don't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And notice, Brother Matt makes a statement here in the message, and know it not. He says, he never came to save the devil's children. He doesn't come to chasten the devil's children. Wake up, somebody. Do you recognize who you are? 
Brother Joe, why am I going through trials? Why am I going through tests? Because you don't belong to the devil. You're not the devil's children. You're sons and daughters of God. And he's come to rebuke you. And he comes to reprove you. And he comes to correct you. And it's done with nail-scarred hands. And it does with loving, gentle kindness. Because he don't want to see you go to hell. But he wants to see you emulate or match that image that he had and that thought that he had of you before the foundation of the world. See, he doesn't chasten the devil's children. He only chases his offspring. He only corrects his offspring. And it's just like a father, the way a father corrects his children. It's done out of love. It's because he wants to see in their life the same desires, the same morals, the same values, the same traits, the same attributes. That's in the father we want to project over to the son or to the daughter. And that's the same way with our heavenly father. He don't want to see you off in some riffraff just floating on the stream of life. But no, he wants you to emulate his love and his gentleness and his meekness and his mercy and his power and his authority and his goodness and everything else that he beholds. He wants you to emulate that. But you know, sometimes it's not easy. It's not easy to bring true love and it's not easy to receive true love. How many of you got children? You don't take pleasure out of beating your kids or whooping, excuse me, reproving, scourging, taking that belt off, laying the axe to the root. But you do it because you have a purpose. Because if you didn't love little Johnny, now I hope we don't have no little Johnnies in here. And last time I checked, there's nobody on the cradle roll named Johnny. But if you didn't love him, you just let him run a riff. He'd be tattooed up. He'd have his ears gazed out. I mean, he'd be drinking and smoking and doing all this. But you love him, therefore what? You correct him. I don't want you to do that. We got rules in this house. You got to abide by these rules. And you set parameters. You set parameters because you want your kid to stay within the confines of that, those borders because we know what's on the outside of those borders. There's death on the outside. So a loving father, he sets borders around his children because he doesn't want them to go astray. He doesn't want them to get scarred up. He doesn't want them to get hurt. He doesn't want them to, to, to ruin their life and their testimony. No, and that's the same way with our heavenly father. He sets borders around you. And a lot of times, it's those trials and tribulations that you're going through that are the borders that keep you into the promised land, that keep you serving God, that keep you in his will because he knows outside of that, you'll not have a care. You'll not have a worry. You'll Drift off into death. We find here in 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now. How many of you can believe that? Well, brother, that's a nice scripture. We read it all the time. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Then why are we living below our God-given privileges? Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doeth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as it is. Look, it's not when you do enough penance. It's not when you fast for 40 days. It's not when you listen to enough sermons. It's not when you spend all night praying. It's not when you become a preacher or a deacon or a song leader or a musician. No, it's because he's called you. He's elected you. He's anointed you. And he's placed you there. Oh, heaven, let me tell you, beloved, now we are the sons of God. Right now, this very minute, I'm looking at sons and daughters of God. Those that are entitled to the promise. Those that are entitled to the blessings of God. Sons and daughters of God. Position and authority. 
John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons. Even to them that believed on his name. That word, power, means privilege. Authority, jurisdiction, liberty, the right or the strength. I say, what a privilege. What a privilege. I'm looking around. And I look out there and I see Shreveport, Louisiana, Bossier City, Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana. Matter of fact, all of Louisiana. And I'm looking just at a handful of true, genuine, born-again believers. Because why? God gave you the privilege to become a real son and daughter of God. I'm trying to show you who you are so you can recognize that what you're going through is the chastening of the Lord. He doesn't just chase you to afflict pain and punishment. Sometimes we think that. Why am I going through this? I'm always going through this. I can't never catch a break. My mother-in-law told me not too long ago, because I ain't going to tell you why, but she just told me, she says, you're going to keep repeating that until you learn a lesson. I'm like, you, you're right. Well, you're going to feel right. I didn't ask you for that comment, but you're right. And many times you keep repeating and repeating and repeating until you learn what you're supposed to learn through that trial that you're in. Why am I in this trial? Because you dumb and didn't learn the first time or the second time or probably the third time. Why is it carried on for five years? Because you've been stubborn for five years and ain't learned. God chastens those that he loves. He chastens sons and daughters of God. This chastening is a love. It's a correction. It's a molding of character. It's not beating you with a whip because you've done wrong. It always God putting his fatherly loving arms around you saying, my son, I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to teach you something here. If you would just learn, if you would just push aside all your ideas, listen to me, listen to my word. Well, I got a better way. Well, buckle up because you're going to be on that ride for a little while longer. With that kind of attitude, you ain't learning nothing. And let me tell you, we, I, I ain't going to say we all been there. I'm just going to speak for me. I've been there. Sometimes I'm like, why am I still doing it? Because I'm dumb. I'm out still here. Lord, have mercy. Show me something. He's like, I've been trying to show you, dummy, for a long time. you still where you was five years ago. you still dealing with the same thing. It's time that you recognize my tender hands on your life to show you it's time to move on past this point. But he gave us the privilege to become sons of God. He says, now, if you're a part of God, the spirit that's in you never had a beginning. It never will have an end. You're as eternal as the spirit that's in you. He says, now, look, way back before the world ever started in the Adams back yonder, when God seen what he was going to take place right there, he saw you. He saw me. He saw every flea. He saw every fly, every frog, every gnat, everything that there would ever be on earth. He saw it right there. He never said, now, I'll just send my son down and have him to die. Maybe somebody have pity on him and they'll accept him. He says, no. He said, he foreknew you. He knew that you would be saved. Yes, sir. He said, Esau have I hated, but Jacob have I loved. Before either one of them had a chance to prove what they were, he already knew and he knows you tonight. Before you ever had a chance to do good or bad, he's already called you. He's already elected you. He knew you'd be here. And so what did he do? He went after you and brought you to the house of God. You think, well, I'm just here. No, you're not just here. It's the Heavenly Father showing you. He's got a purpose for you to be here tonight. He's got something that he wants you to learn. He's got something that he wants to express Amen. to you tonight. Amen. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. 
Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now notice, nowhere in that scripture reading did it say you chose yourself. Nowhere did it say, Brother Tim handpicked you out of all the masses to come and be a part of his church. Am I right? But it says he chose you before the foundation of the world. Well, that's a good scripture. I know you ever catch that revelation. That he called you, he chose you before the foundation of the world. So that means no matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation you're facing in life, it doesn't matter because he called you. He chose you. He makes a statement. He says, what about that, Brother Mike? He goes, isn't that wonderful? He loved you. He loved you before there was a world. He knows your nature. Come on, somebody. He knows your nature. He knows you'd be moody. He knows you'd have crabby days. He knows you'd get upset. He knows you'd fly off at the handle. He said he knows you. He knows your nature. He knows your weakness. He knows your habits. He knows all about you and what you was going to be. And when he looked all over the great universe as it was, and he says, I choose you. He said, I choose you tonight. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your family genetics are, he said, I choose you tonight. You tell me tonight what man has to do with that. No, nothing. God Almighty chose you. God handpicked you for this cause. God did this for you tonight. He says, now. He makes a statement. He says, now, I'm as much Branham as my father is a Branham. And I'm as much Adams as my father is an Adams. And Philip, you're as much run collie as your dad is a run collie. But he says, and I'm as much God as he's my heavenly father. So what does he say? He says, you're just as eternal as God is eternal. Because why? Because you're sons and daughters of God. Therefore, quit looking at your circumstances. Quit looking at what you're going through. Oh, my son and my daughter's out there. It doesn't matter where they are. What does the word say about it? What does the promise say about it? It says I'm a son. It says I'm a daughter of God. It says I'm entitled to the blessing. Give me a little bit more volume. It means that I got everything that God provided. It belongs to me tonight. I'm an heir of salvation. I'm anointed by the word of the hour. I believe this message. I'm not going to let the trials and tribulations that I face bring me down. Though they may. Though they try. But God has a purpose. God has a reason. I'm telling you tonight. That that drought that you're in. That intense heat from the summer. Oh, those burning rays. It doesn't last forever. I'm here to tell you. hope somebody's listening. It doesn't last forever. The Bible says joy cometh in the morning. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. Every morning you wake up, there's a new mercy. There's a new promise. Oh, it's time we, when we get out of the bed, quit kicking the cover and say, thank you, Lord. This is my day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in this day. I'm going to set forth to have the right attitude and approach my circumstance with the victory that God's already provided for me. I'm not going to go through this day all in the mully grub. I'm going to go through this day with my shoulders back as a son, as a daughter of God, knowing that I've been anointed, knowing that I've been elected, knowing that I've been called, knowing that I've been chosen, knowing that I've been positioned. 
For what? For authority. You have been in position for authority. It's time that you start ruling. It's time that you start reigning. It's time that you start talking to your adversary. And you tell him, I'm waiting on the rain. I'm waiting on the promise. Oh, church, it's time we get that in our hearts tonight. And quit looking at all the circumstances. Quit paying attention to everything that's going on. And realize who called you. He says now in Hebrews 12, 8. But if you be without chastisement. Well, I don't like what Brother Tim said. If you be without chastisement. Well, for all the partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. You can't take correction. It shows who you are. Oh, you can put on the facade. Oh, bless God, I'm a son. You come to the house of God. Oh, yeah. I'll give you grace to some of you older people. I understand it's tough being 80, 78, 75. I better back off. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> what you talking about? But you got some people coming here. They got no more intention of getting anything out of this word. And God is trying to express every service. Every service, I got a promise waiting on you. I got a blessing waiting on you. If you just wake up, if you just receive, if you just prepare for rain, prepare for blessings, expect God to do what God said He would do. But many times we drag in, well, nobody cares. Nobody, I'm just going to show up for church and take my position on a pew. Let me tell you, you come expecting God to move. What's God going to do? I'm here to take, He will move. You expect God to go after your children? God will go after your children. But it's up to you tonight to sit in the power of God and the Holy Spirit after them. You want to leave it all in the ministry. We got a part to play, but you got a part to play. You can't stand with chastisement. He says, then your bastards are not sons. Verse 11, he says, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields... Or yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. God has a purpose. You want a life that's fruitful, right? Oh, well, I don't like chastisement, Brother Joe. I'm tired of going through this child. How are you going to produce fruit? How are you going to produce fruit? You see here, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields. It produces. It produces righteousness, fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised or that have been through the trial. Those that have been through the struggles. Those that have endured the summers. Those that have gone through the, the storms uh, and, the, and the high gales and all these other things. Things that you have to face in life. And when you get through that, God is producing a godly, Christ-like character in your life. He says, many times, maybe just go. He says, now, Christian, this is in the message, hear you him. He says, Christians must be tested. Every son that cometh to God must be first child trained and tested. When you go to build a building, you test the material that you put in it, right? You're not dumb. Don't answer that. 
But no, you test. When we built this church, we tested the ground. We recognized, we realized we had to bring more dirt in, a certain kind of dirt. We had to pack it down. We had to put some pillars down in order to stabilize the ground, to test it so that this church can withstand all the weight that was going to be put on it. And so does God. He tests you to see if you're able to withstand all the pressures, all the tests that's going to be in Laodicea because he knows this is the greatest age. This is the toughest age. This is the age of the most wickedness and sinister of all the ages. It's this age. And I'm here to tell you the devil has poured it out and poured it out but as long as he's pouring it out God is there pouring it in and pouring it in more revelation more promises more faith to the believer so that they can withstand the situation and the trial that you're in God pours it in as a Satan pours it out Romans 5 and verse 1 says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory, that word there means to rejoice and to joy in tribulations. Knowing that tribulations, afflictions, anguish, persecutions, work its patience. That's that word again, hupomone. Faith that is perseverant. Faith that endures. Faith that is not easily shaken. Or easily moved. It says now, and it worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope, which is actually faith in this essence. Hope or faith maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So we find these persecutions, these things that we go through, are producing a faith in your life. Because without them, how are you going to trust God? Because you don't know if He can. You don't know if he will. Let me tell you, when the Hebrew boys, when they faced that fiery furnace, they said, look, we don't care if he doesn't. It doesn't matter if God, God, he, we know he's able, we know he's capable, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. I wish some of us, even like Tabernacle, would take that same kind of approach. I wish some of our young people would take that same kind of approach. I'm not bound to Laodicea. I'm not bound to peer pressure. I'm not bound to pornography. I'm not bound to the cares of this world. I'm not bound to Hollywood fashion. I refuse to bow. And if my God doesn't deliver, it doesn't matter. I know he can. I know he's able. And it doesn't matter because I'm not bowing down to Satan's scheme. And what do we find? When they got there, there was a fourth man. I said, when you get there, there's a fourth man. He doesn't leave you fanning the flames by yourself. You can sit back with him because he's there. He's an on-time God. He's a very present help. He's a shoulder that you can lean on. He's a refuge in a hard time. But see, God allows. He allows us to go through some very difficult situations. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings. 17, we're going to read here of a woman, a widow woman, by the name of the widow of Zarephath. Very familiar scripture for many of us, if not all of us. He told the prophet Elijah, arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and he said, bring me, I pray thee, a little morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, as the Lord liveth, 
that God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. At this point in time, there was a tremendous drought, a severe drought in the land. People were dying. Brother Bram said, he makes the same. He said it was scorching hot. He said the screens were going up. People were dying every day. The drought was intense. There was no rain in sight, no rain in the forecast. And here we find this little widow woman, she had gotten down to her last handful of meal in the barrel. She was at her last leg. She was almost completely outdone in a little bit of cruise of oil. If you want to call it a little cruise of oil, that's all she had left. And here the prophet of God says, and he makes a statement. He says, now, how that this little woman must have been of the caliper of Elijah because usually your action shows what you are. She had been chosen to entertain God's prophet. Here she was in a severe test, a severe trial. And no doubt she, she, she didn't want to get rid of her meal. She didn't want to get rid of her oil. But she did what the prophet had asked because she was of the caliper to, to serve or to, to entertain God's prophet. And I'm looking at other widows of Zarephath this evening that's been chosen by God to entertain the message, to receive the message into your home, to allow it to come into your gates, to allow it to come into your houses, into your hearts. Why? Because you're the caliper of Elijah this evening. God handpicked you for the trial. God knew you would be here. God knew she would be in that situation. And what did he do? He sent her a message. He sent her a prophet. She was in preparation. She was making preparation for rain, and yet rain hasn't come. She was making preparation for rain, but rain was off in the distance. She didn't know anything about it. They didn't have the local weathermen that we have today. Bless God, because they'd get it wrong anyway. But she was chosen to entertain God's prophet. And I'm looking at people today that have been chosen to entertain God's prophet. You're not here just because you come off the street. You're here because God handpicked you to entertain his prophet. To receive this message. Because this message is life. What Elijah was bringing was life. Though he had nothing in his hands, he was bringing life. Oh, I hope you see through the picture tonight, church. So she was in a life or death situation. There was a severe drought. And the greatest test that she had ever been in, her husband had died, left her all alone, and she couldn't tend to the farm because now it was all dried up, burned up, no crops were going to produce. And she, all she had in her mind was taking care of her little boy. And he says, now, he says, God would not have called her if she hadn't been of the worthy to entertain God's prophet. He said he would, have, he would have never sent his prophet to her house if she was unworthy. And some of you come to the house of God, well, I'm not worthy. That devil lies to you every day, I'm not worthy. I'm here to tell you, you are worthy. You're so worthy that he bled and died. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take your place. Quit listening to the lie of the enemy. You are worthy. You've been handpicked by God. Look around here tonight and look around all over Shreveport in Louisiana and America. There's many people that don't believe what you believe tonight because you're worthy to entertain this word. You're worthy to receive this word tonight. This word ain't for everybody. It's for the elect of God. So your situation tonight, whatever it is, God handpicked it so you can entertain his prophet. 
He allowed you to get to that place. He allowed her to get to that place. Because maybe if she was on the mountaintop and there was no drought and she had all the crop and all the money, she would just bypassed the prophet, never entertained him, never made mention of him, never would have gave him a, 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 a wink, if you want to call it that. She just kept going on a merry little way. But no, she, got, she was at a point in life that she needed God to move. And some of you here tonight, you're at a point in life where you need God to move. Some of you tonight, you've been dealing with sickness in your body for years now. You need God to move. Some of you have been dealing with complexes for years now. You need God to move. Some of you dealing with other uh, tormenting spirits. You need God to move. I'm going to tell you, prepare for rain. Get ready. Prepare for rain. Because while rain is on the horizon, church. God promised you a blessing. And I'm going to tell you, God will honor that word tonight. If you are prepared to receive what he has promised. He says, now fetch me, I pray thee, a little morsel of bread. Sir, all I have, I don't even have a cake. All I got is this handful of meal. And I got just a little cruise of oil. And I'm, gonna, I'm out here gathering sticks. And I'm going to go inside and I'm going to dress it. And I'm going to make a cake for me and my son and we're going to die. Well, how many of you are in that place tonight? You're that place? So it's all you got left in life? So she looked over a little boy, feet sticking out of his pajamas, skin going from him, the pale lips, dwindling away to nothing. And all she could think of is, Lord, I prayed. Lord, I'm praying. Lord, I know that there's no rain in sight. Lord, but I know you're still God. I know you're still Jehovah. I know you're still Elohim. I know you're still the Almighty. I know whatever God, whatever I, whatever I ask now, God, you'll still perform. I'm not looking at the sun outside. I'm not looking at the no rain outside. I'm not looking at all this blind vanities outside. I'm looking to your word, Lord. I'm praying. I, she walked, Brother Ben said she walked the floor all night. She was praying, looking at her son, praying, looking at her son, praying. Some of you need to start praying. So she was, and she just kept praying and kept praying. Things got worse. The meal got down, down, down. Situation got worse, worse, worse. But she kept praying. She kept expecting. She came to the house of God expecting God to move. Every service, she was expecting God to move. Every service, she was expecting rain to come so that she could prepare another meal for her son. Some of us, we've come to the house of God, and there's no expectation. I'm going to tell you, you're only going to get what you expect. If you need something from God tonight, you'll get it if you expect it tonight. He'll rain down heavenly food for you tonight. And here it was, a prophet of God. Fetch me, I pray thee, a little cake. Sir, that's all I got. I got a little bit of meal, which represents Christ. I got a little bit of oil, represents the spirit. I'm out here gathering sticks, representing the cross. Probably God says so she goes in there, she takes that meal and that oil, Christ and the spirit, mixes it together, put it on the cross of, of self-denial or self-sacrifice. He said, that's what some of us need to do. Doctor says, you're not going to get well. He says, deny it. Put it on the altar of self-sacrifice. Deny what the doctor says. The doctor says you can't get no better. The doctor says my, or the, 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 the report says my kids are not going to serve the Lord. Quit listening to what the report says. Listen to what the Word says. Amen. The Word says he's the meal. The Word says he's the oil. The Word says he's the cross. I'm telling you, you mix your faith wrapped up in the meal and the cross, the Spirit of God, and lay it on the cross of Jesus Christ. You will not be disappointed. No, he will fulfill his promise to a son and daughter of God. And she went in and did exactly what the prophet messenger said. She came out. She didn't look at him. How dare you? Do you not understand? We're in a drought, Brother Kenny. There ain't no rain in the forecast. We're dying out here. Look at my son. He's over there. He's in a pitiful shape. And you want my last bit of food? How dare you? Dare you? No, she didn't have that attitude. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go fetch me, I pray thee, a little meal. Make me a little cake. And she went in, and she done exactly what the prophet said. And she came out. She didn't come out all puffed up because the service was long. <laughs> no, she didn't come out all oh, he Man, it took so long. I mean, I can't believe it. Don't he know that he done lost us after an hour and 15 minutes? That's kind of attitude we take in the house of God. No, she came out here. This is everything that I have. This is my last bit. I'm giving it to you. I'm honoring the word first. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added up to you tonight. Not to your neighbor, but to you tonight. If you can seek the kingdom of God first. If you can put God first. Put God above your finances. Put God above your sicknesses. Put God above your wayward children. Put God above your, the pain in your body. Put God first. He wants to put your faith to the test. And here it was. He said, now. Now you go back. Go back and make you one for your son and for yourself. Go back and make one for y'all. Yeah, you see, he was southern. He said, y'all. Go make y'all one. She went back. She knew that she had just got the last bit of meal out of that barrel. She knew she just poured out the last bit of cruise. And she found the last two sticks that was in the yard. Oh, but when she went back to the barrel, church, Come on. when she went back to the barrel, if you just come to the barrel tonight, when she went back to the barrel, let me tell you, she found there was enough meal in the barrel to make another cake. When she hit the bottom of her barrel, she hit the top of God's barrel. And tonight, if you can just reach down tonight and hit the bottom of your barrel, oh, it looks like everything's giving up. The doctor said there's no hope. Just reach down tonight. I'll tell you, you hit the top of God's barrel. There'll be meal. There'll be anointing. There'll be word. There'll be spirit. There'll be a revelation. There'll be God. He'll meet you there. Reach down tonight. She reached down. Day after day after day. She knew she emptied it out, but she kept going back. Oh, oh. Well, Brother Joe, I done emptied out. Come on back. She was preparing for rain. What did God do? Send her a message. Send her a prophet. Send her a meal. That she didn't have to go out there and plow a field. Give me a little bit more volume. No, God provided rain in the most unusual way. She didn't have to go till. She didn't have to go pluck. She didn't have to go plant. All she had to do was go down and reach down in that barrel. God was raining down a blessing. Oh, church, if you can believe that tonight, if you can have that kind of faith tonight, God will rain down a blessing on you. Let me go just a little bit further. But many times we find ourselves, we find ourselves in trial. Hardships. The Bible says that many, many are the afflictions of the righteous. How many of you are righteous? How many of you have been afflicted? That word affliction is raw. It means malignant. Isn't that a mighty word? Malignant. It means calamity. It means distress, adversity, misery, injury. But it says the Lord, no matter what you've been in, the Lord delivereth. That word means snatches out. 
God will snatch you out of every last one of them. That demon that comes against you and tries to put this on you and that on you and arthritis and diabetes and heart trouble and cancer or worry and stress and anxiety and depression. I'm here to tell you tonight, many of the afflictions by my God tonight. Oh, take my God tonight. He delivers. I said he delivers tonight. He delivered Daniel in the lion's den. He delivered Shamgar from the Philistines. Oh, he delivers tonight. He delivered Mary Magdalene from a life of prostitution. He delivers out of them all. I said he delivers tonight. Whatever you got to need, he delivers tonight. Why? Because he's God. That's his word. He will honor that word tonight if you'll put God to the test. Many are the afflictions. But our God will deliver, has delivered, and is delivering presently right now. Some of you are being set free tonight. Your faith is rising up. Oh, did you hear what I just said? I said your faith is rising up because why? It's not my word. It's not my promise. It's God's word. God promised. He promised he'll deliver you. Well, Brother Joe, I've been here for five years. It don't matter. Look, catch. Time doesn't change God's word. Facts don't change God's word. When God gives a promise, God's obligated to it. He says, I'm the Lord thy God. <laughs> Excuse me. That healeth thee, get ready. Because your healing's on the way. He said, you can call upon me. I'll deliver, saith the Lord. He's here tonight to do just exactly what his word says. He's here to deliver. Deliver out of them all. But he says now, he said, he might. God lets you get into a place. I love how he puts this. That he might have commanded of you a testimony of your healing. Sister Atlanta, you want you got cancer tonight? Because God's going to have a testimony. It ain't God's disapproval. It's not God's displeasure. Oh, it's God's confidence. Did you hear what I said? God has confidence in you tonight. That no matter what that ending will put on you, you won't deny the blessing. You won't back off the promise. You know that he says, I'm the Lord that heals you. You're going to stay there, and you're going to keep confessing, and you're going to keep making preparation that he's my healer. I'm going to wake up the next day. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my God. I'm going to praise you, Lord, in my storm. I'm going to praise you, Lord, when I don't feel like it, when the chemo's taking me down. I'm going to praise you, Lord, because it don't matter what I see. It don't matter what I feel. It matters what the Word says, and he Says, oh, I tell you, he says he's my healer. He says he's my deliverer. He says he's my provider. He says he's my all in all. I'm going to tell you tonight, that's our God. And he's commanding a testimony. Look at Ron Spencer, a testimony. Look at Drew Dexter, a testimony. Sister Karen Pruitt, a testimony. Many of you don't know, but David Dexter has a testimony. Arthritis, protein buildup on his white blood cells, attacking his own body, almost destroyed his eyesight, was taking him to an early death. But what was he doing? Making preparation. What did he do? He came through a prayer line. What's so big about a prayer line? I walked through it in faith one time. I say, walk through it in faith one time. Oh, yeah. Show God whose side you're on. Walk through believing. Lord, when I come out on that other side, I'm going to be healed. Look at little Mariah Pruitt. She came up here. What was she doing? Making preparation. Came with some bobby pins. Ain't had a stitch of hair on her head. Confessing. I'm going to wear these when I come out. 
making preparation. She didn't worry about the sun. She wasn't worried about no drought. She wasn't worried about what she saw in the mirror. She saw the promise. What about us tonight, church? What about the promise? Brother Brown makes a statement here. Let me tell this story as I start bringing it down to a close. He may call you to have a testimony. There's two sisters come through a prayer line. One couldn't eat. Something going on with her stomach. Couldn't eat for months, weeks. The other one had a big gorder on her neck. Come through a prayer line. God pronounced both of them healed. Pronounced. God pronounced both of them healed. Notice who did the pronouncing. I mean, that same God's here tonight to pronounce that same promise on you. Pronounce both of them healed. Weeks later, here the one that couldn't eat. She tried six weeks. She went six weeks every morning waking up thinking, well, you know, hey, I believe I've been, I've been prophesied. He said, I'm healed. I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to honor what he said. I'm going to keep eating. Every time she'd throw it up. She couldn't eat, couldn't eat. Day after day after day after day after day after day after day. She kept trying nothing. Couldn't keep it down. Couldn't keep it down. Much like many of you. You can't keep the promise down. Because why? You're looking too much at what's going on around you. Some of you are looking at your afflictions, your ailments, your pains, your kids out here, this, doing that, your finances down, down, down. And all you're looking at all this and you can't keep the promise down. But yet she knew that the promise had been pronounced over some six weeks later. I said some six weeks later. It didn't happen overnight. Some six weeks later, what happened? She said she was there doing dishes and a, a cool spirit came over. She thought, well, I'll just go sit down at the table and I'll eat you know, some of the leftovers from the kids because they're, now they're off to school. And she sits down and she begins to eat. And she begins to eat. And she mixed her another plate. And she began to eat. And she began to eat. She began to rejoice. Because why? Because God honored his word. And she got up and she went down the street because she was going to tell her neighbor. And her neighbor, she heard some screaming and shouting going on. Ah! She's praising God. Oh, bless God. Hallelujah. What is it? What's going on? What's going on, Mary? And she's shaking covers. And she's shaking covers. She said, I went to bed last night with a gorger on my neck. But I woke up this morning. Oh, I said, I woke up this morning, and it's gone. I said, it's gone. Oh, I've been looking all around. I can't find it. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find it. Why? Because the angel of the Lord come walking down that neighborhood. What about your neighborhood? Oh, what about your neighborhood? Oh, church, that's right. Don't give up on them. He said, he, he, God may not answer all at once. Look, it took Daniel 21 days before the angel of the Lord got to him. But he said, I heard you when you made your prayer. But I was fighting. I was fighting devils to get to you. Let me tell you, church, that's what he's doing. He's fighting devils to get to you tonight. Brother Man makes us another statement. He tells a story of a woman from Arkansas. She went into the hospital, insane institution. For two years, she's in an ins insane institution. Out of her mind. A little brother brought her down there. He sold his farm, sold his mule, sold everything that he had. What was he doing, Brother Joe? He was preparing for rain. Sold everything he had to get his wife. She couldn't be a wife to him. She couldn't be a mother to her kids. She was completely out of her mind. And the ambulance wouldn't take her in the ride. They had to ride some 200, 200 miles or 100 miles or whatever it was at that time. And it's probably 45 miles an hour. I don't know how fast they drove, but nevertheless. And we find here that... 
he did everything he could. He got a couple of brothers together, three, two or three brothers, and they put her in the back of a Chevrolet, and she kicked the windows out, kicked everything out. She's bleeding all over. The prophet God said, what's wrong with her? He said, look, she was going through the time of menopause. Doctor gave her a shot, put her into this condition. He didn't mean to do it, but this is where we are. He goes, but I heard that testimony of that woman in Pineville that was healed. Uh, she was delivered, and she was in an insane institution. She goes, he says, I did everything I could. I sold my farm. I sold my mules. I'm bringing her down here because I just want one chance that she'll get healed. Brother Bram said, here she was. He had to go down into the basement. Couldn't let her out in the congregation because she was wild. She's laying in the basement, and her, her, all her own, all fours are straight up. Her legs and her hands are all straight up. And he says, well, I'll go over here and I'll talk to her. He said, Brother Bram, don't you go talk to her. She ain't spoken two years. She, she's, a, she's a wild one. She, she'll hurt you. He says, no, you know, he's 23 years old at this time. He's thinking he's 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And that's how we are. We start out. think we're indispensable. We really take that quote, we're in an invincible army to, to the truth. But he goes over there and he says, how you doing, sister? Nothing. Her hand's up. He grabs her hand. When he grabbed her hand, she yanked him. He said, she almost pulled me. She could have broke every bone in my body. She yanked me so hard. He goes, it was a good thing the Spirit of the Lord was there. He said, she yanked. He let go, and he ran back to the steps, and she made out a big crocodile roar and started slithering like a snake on her back, coming at him. God commanding a testimony. God was about to have a showdown with the enemy. Let me tell you, God ain't never been defeated. I don't know what you're dealing with tonight, but my God ain't never been defeated. And he don't plan on losing a battle tonight. He says, I'm the Lord thy God. I'll heal your sickness. I'll heal your diseases. I'll deliver your demons. I'll do whatever it takes. I won't be defeated. I'll win every battle. And the prophet of God said, you think he's great in healing? You should see this God in battle. He's a victorious God. Here she was. She slithered her way up and up the wall. She slithered up the wall. She put out a big kick and she fell to the ground, hit a bench on her and knocked a piece off the bench and blood splattered all out of her head. And he turned around. He says, Brother Brown, do you have to, to lay hands on her? He says, I wish I could because he knew he couldn't. He says, well, what do I do now? The prophet of God says, the angel of the Lord told me if I would be sincere in my prayer and get the people to believe, if I would be sincere in my prayer and get the people, oh, I hope you're getting what I'm telling you tonight. If you can believe tonight, he says, nothing will stand before their prayer. I said, nothing will stand before their prayer. He said, do you believe? And he put his little scrawny arm around Brother Bram. He says, I believe with all my heart. And here she come. She come at him again. And he said, let's bow our heads. And he began to pray. He said, Father, here's this man. He done sold everything he got. He's bringing his little wife here. And she ain't spoken in two years. She ain't been a mother in two years. She ain't been a, a wife in two years. He just wants his wife back. And, and, and he begins just to say a simple prayer. He says, Lord, you told me if I can get the people to believe that nothing will stand before our prayer, not even cancer. And here this brother. He testifies that he believed, and all of a sudden, bam. That was it. He didn't shout. He wasn't shouting. He, that was it. He said, what? He asked, he said, Brother Brown, what do I do now? He said, you just get her in the car. You take her back to the institution, and you let them dismiss her. He said, the whole time back, she sat up straight, nothing. Went to the institution. They woke up the next morning to go. She was sitting up, ready to be fed. Three days later, they dismissed her. 
I said three days. This woman hadn't spoken two years. Completely out of her mind. And then three days later, why? Because somebody was making preparation for rain. This man sold everything he had. He had a desire to see his wife saved and healed and delivered. And what did God do? God honored his faith. Because he said he believed. And if I can get you to believe tonight, if I can get you to believe tonight, your situation would go just like that. If you can just believe tonight, them complexes that you've been battling years and months, they'll leave just like that. Those problems in your body will leave just like that. That anxiety that you're dealing with, that depression that you're dealing with, those suicidal thoughts that are torment you, they will leave just like that. If you will believe. It's not my word, it's his word. As we bring this to a close. Said some two months later, Brother Brown was in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Lady back here in the back waving, getting his attention. She said, Brother Brown, do you remember me? No, were you healed in one of the services? She said, Last time you saw me, Brother Brown, I was slithering on my back like a snake. And here she had five kids tugging on her coat. Now she could be a mother to her children and a wife to her husband. That man's desire to sell all that he had, to expend everything that he had, it came to fruition. We look here as we bring this to a close right here. We look at Hosea. Brother Bad makes a statement before I get there. He said, discouraging time comes to every believer to test you, to try you, to see if you really do believe. Discouraging times comes. Now, discouraging times hits all of us. To test you. To see if you really do believe. But as we see here, Hosea 10, 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord. Church, I said, it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Let me just read that again for some of y'all that didn't catch it. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. I want you musicians to start making their way back. The word fallow here means tillable. Brother Adam, yeah. Brother Jeremy. It means tillable. It's ground that's tillable. But yet it was left untouched. An untouched land, land that is untouched, begins to grow weeds in it. Begin to grow thorns in it. Begin to grow roots in it. But it's fallow ground. The scripture says, Hosea says, break up the fallow ground. So what is he saying? It's time that you start pulling weeds out of your life. It's time that you start pulling weeds of doubt out. Doubt that you can't be saved. Doubt that you're not worth anything. Doubt that you can't be healed. Doubt that you can't be delivered. Doubt that the Holy Ghost is for you. Doubt that your children can be saved. Doubt that you can live a victorious life. It's time that you start weeding your life. Break up the fallow ground and expect God to do something. 
Oh, it's time that we weed out all the thorns of complexes. Everybody you come in contact with, you're nothing but a thorn. You prick them here, and you prick them there, and you prick them here, and you got no, you won't forgive anybody. You hold grudges. It's time that you begin to put the thorns, pull the thorns out of your life. Expect God to move. It's time to dig up all the roots of bitterness. All the things that's been grown in there that's been received from family traits. and Pull those things up and prepare the ground because God's ready to send the rain. I said prepare the ground tonight. God is ready to send the rain. There was two farmers. Both of them desperately. Start playing if you don't mind. Both of them desperately in need of rain. They met at a local co-op. They began to discuss the forecast and the lack of rain that was on the horizon. One percent chance for the next several months. What are we going to do? I mean, one percent chance, Brother Tim. How can I raise a crop on one percent chance? One farmer went home, began to pack up all his belongings, started selling everything he had, Put his farm on the market because he wasn't expecting rain. The other farmer went home, no doubt contemplating what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. What do I need to do tonight? What can I do in this service? What did he do, brother? He went home, got down in that barn, and he began to pray. He said, Lord. You said if we sow to ourselves in righteousness, we're going to reap in mercy. Lord, you said if I can break the fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord, I'm seeking you right here in this barn, Lord. You said you'll pour out a rain and you'll rain righteousness upon me. He jumped on his tractor. Oh, he jumped on, he began to till. From sun up to sundown, he began to till. He began to do what? He began to break the fallow ground. He began to make preparation because he was expecting God to move. Though the forecast said 1%, there was something anchored in his soul. said, my God is greater than 1%. My God is able to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm not looking at the forecast. I'm looking at my God. My God gave me a promise. I believe his promise tonight. I know he's able. I know he can. I know he's God. And I'm going to put God to the test. And he jumped on that tractor. And he began to ride. Begin to break ground. Days passed. Intense heat. No rain. Days turned into weeks. And some of you, your days have turned into weeks. And your weeks have turned into months. And it seems like you're about to wither away. It seems like there's no way you can take another step. There's nothing more that you can do. The farmer sold everything he had. The other farmer sold everything. Gave it up. Lost his farm. Lost his equipment. Lost everything. But one day, months later, out in the field, Oh, he was out there pulling weeds. I can't let this be in the garden. I can't let this grow up. There's some thorns in my, in my field. I got to pull these thorns. He started pulling thorns out. Started pulling weeds out. What was he? Then he started planting. He started planting the promise. He started, did you hear me, church? I mean, are you with me? Did you hang up yet? 
said he started throwing out seeds. He started planting a promise. God, you said I can't have my kids. You said they and their offspring shall be there. You said I can be healed. You said I can be delivered. You said the Holy Ghost is for me. You said everything that, that, that you died for is I'm entitled to. You said I'm a joint ever God. And he's planting seeds. And he's planting seeds. And he's planting seeds. And he's weeding. And he's pulling up thorns. And he's pulling up weeds. And he's uprooting bitterness. And he's taking out forgiveness. And he's throwing out seed. And throwing out seed. And out in the field one day, he's saying, God, you said you'd honor my word. I'm back down to nothing, Lord. I ain't got another penny to my name. I'm about to lose it all. And in the distance, he said, boom! Big thunder crack. Oh, did you hear what I said, church? Off in a distance. Boom! A few minutes later, you see a big lightning bolt come striking down out of the sky. In that year, there came a rain like no other rain that they've ever had. In that field that he planted, when all his other former was in doubt and unbelief, he wasn't making for preparation. But this former began to make preparation. And he began to do what he was entitled to do as a farmer. And I'm going to tell you, you may not be a farmer tonight, but you may have things in your life that you need to start breaking ground on. There may be complexes in your life tonight that you need to be breaking ground on. There may be things you need to be uprooting tonight. There may be bitterness in your heart. You need to uproot it tonight. What are you saying, Joe? I'm saying prepare for rain. I'm saying prepare for rain tonight. You've been in a drought. It feels like you can't go no further. It feels like the enemies don't win the battle. I'm here to tell you, you're a child of God tonight. You're entitled to the promise. You're entitled to the blessing. All you got to do is break ground. Quit sitting on the sidelines and watching everybody else work. Get in the battle. Start watching God. Expect God to move. Break the fallow ground. Break the fallow ground. Break the fallow ground. Pull those things up tonight. Pull them up tonight. What do I need to do, Brother Joe? I'm telling you what you need to do. You know what you're dealing with. You know your demons. You know what you've been struggling with. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of the summer? Aren't you tired of this heat? Aren't you tired of this season? Aren't you ready to break ground? Aren't you ready to bring some fruit? Aren't you ready to have your life manifest? Some of you here tonight, you got kids that are wayward. You got kids out there doing all kind of ungodly stuff. All you got to do tonight is break ground. I said all you got to do tonight is break ground. Break ground. Plant the seeds of promise. Some of you here tonight, you've been expecting a baby. You've been wanting a child. Break ground tonight. Break ground tonight. And plant the promise. I said plant the promise. And expect rain. I said expect rain tonight. You've got a need from God tonight. He's here. Break ground. Plant the promise. And expect rain. I said expect rain tonight, church. Make preparation because God is ready to rain down his promises on you. God is ready tonight to pour out a blessing. God is ready. You need a healing tonight? Prepare for rain. You need God to move on your behalf? Prepare for rain. You got kids that are wayward? Prepare for rain. Come on, church. Get beside yourself tonight. You got marriage trouble tonight. Don't seem like you can go any further. Prepare for rain. 
You've been desiring a baby. You've been trying to have a child for, for years now. I'm here to tell you, prepare for rain. Cultivate the ground and pray and expect God to move. Whatever you have need of tonight, you want the Holy Ghost tonight, prepare for rain. I'm here to tell you, He's here to pour it out more than you want it. But all you got to do, church, tonight is prepare for rain. Prepare tonight. Break the final ground. Stand up and worship God and say, God, I'm prepared tonight. I'm going to break ground tonight. I'm going to expect rain tonight. I want something to move in my life tonight. God, I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to go out here defeated. I don't want to go out here backslidden. I don't want to go out here undefeated tonight. I want to go out here with fruit in my life. And you begin to plant seeds. You begin to plant seeds. Say, yes, I'm a son of God. You begin to plant seeds. Say, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I can be delivered. The Holy Ghost is for me. I can have a child. My marriage is wonderful. My children will be saved. I can be healed. You plant those seeds and promise. And then you begin to expect rain. Every service. Every service we should come expecting rain. You got a need from God, expect it tonight. You come Sunday, you got a need Sunday, you expect it tonight. You expect it on Sunday. You come and expect rain service after service after service. And I'm going to leave you with this last scripture. Malachi 3 and verse 10. Very personal scripture to me right now. He says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now. Come on, church. He said, prove me now wherewith saith the Lord of hosts that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. He says, let me tell you, he's telling you, you prove me. See if I won't reward your promise. See if I won't reward your obedience. See if I won't reward. You break the ground tonight. I'll pour out the rain. You break the ground tonight. I'll do what I said I'll do. I'll do what you ask of me. You ask anything in my name and I'll grant it to you tonight. He's here to move. And he says, I'll open up the windows of heaven. I will open up the windows of heaven. What is he going to do? He's going to take care of your drought. He's going to pour out a rain. Oh, church, did you hear me? I said, he's going to pour out a rain. He's going to pour out a blessing that your garners can't even receive. It's going to be overflowing and overflowing and overflowing. And you'll be like that lady. You're going to run to your neighbor's house. Oh, look what God did for me. And she goes, look what God did for me. God healed me. God delivered me. God gave me my son. God delivered me or whatever it was. I tell you, I prepared for rain tonight. I believe in God to move tonight. I know that he's God. I know that he's able he says, and I will pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. I will pour it out that there will not be room enough to receive. Oh. I say, Lord, pour it out tonight. Malachi 3, verse 11. Oh, church. And I, and I will rebuke the devourer. I said, I will rebuke that devourer. That demon has come against you time after time after time after time. I'm going to tell you tonight, I will. I'm telling you, Michael stood up 
And he said, I will tonight. I'm going to rebuke that devil of cancer. I rebuke that devil of pornography. I rebuke that devil of depression. I rebuke that devil of arthritis. I rebuke it tonight. I rebuke the devour for your sake. I'm going to restrain the enemy tonight. That's right. Praise God tonight. Accept the promise tonight. I will rebuke the devourer. I will put chains on the devil's neck and he can't come nigh thee. The promise belongs to you tonight, church. That's your promise. All that the caterpillar, the locust, the canker worm, all that they've destroyed, I'm going to restore to you. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to restore to you. Everything that that demon's done coming to eat up in your life, taking your joy, taking your happiness, taking your children, taking whatever he's taken from you. He's ruined your marriage. I'm here to change that. He's here to restore. I'm going to root root. I'm going to repeat to the power. But I'm not only going to do that. I'm going to restore everything that these demons have taken from you. Because why? Because I'm God Almighty. You're my sons. You're my daughters. And I'm here to pour out a blessing. I'm here. I'm here. But you got a part to play. Prepare for rain. Brother Jeremy, you got a part to play. Let it rain. You got a part to play. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of oh, yes. Can you say that tonight, church? Let it rain. Can it be more than a song to you tonight? Let it be worship. Let it Come on, church. May the power 
Speed. 